smoking. Ready? Sure. Hello. Um, this is Travis. It's terrible. Start over. <laughs> Delete that. Hello, and welcome to Dungeon Chatter. Um, this is Travis. This is Victoria. And uh, this is the first episode of our podcast. And um, I guess what we'll do is a quick overview of what the uh, podcast is about, and then we'll introduce the concept for today, introduce ourselves, and then we'll talk through uh, the topic. And so uh, the general idea is that uh, every time we record, which is hopefully going to be every two weeks, we'll get something posted for you, um, we'll be talking about... Um, one aspect associated with RPG playing, creation, um, yeah, that kind of stuff. And so the plan is to go alphabetically uh, to help give us a guide and to help give the audience a sense of what the episodes might be about. And so um, starting with A, because that comes first in the alphabet. Who, who would have thought that? That's <laughs> brilliant knowledge you're sharing. Already laying it down for us, Daya. Uh, this is, A is for armor. <clears throat> so we're going to talk about armor. So how armor functions in an RPG generally. Um, and then one of the cool things that will emerge from this podcast is that as we're talking about how armor works, uh, we're actually going to be creating an RPG uh, or tweaking an RPG that we're working on right now. Uh, and so we'll just refer to that RPG as well as Dungeon Chatter for now. But it's going to take on a couple different forms. We'll talk about the first form of fantasy version um, in the next episode. Uh, so we're now going to talk about armor as it pertains to um, how we're going to use it in Dungeon Chatter. And I thought that we would start off with uh, some introductions. So introduce ourselves and why we're talking about um, RPGs, <laughs> and maybe let you get a sense of who we are. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm Travis, and I started playing D&D uh, first edition in, I think, 1987. Um, <laughs> and uh, I played... D&D, and I, I didn't really play much D&D, just uh, AD&D first edition. Second edition was the one that I really played a lot. Um, I've played, and and for what it's worth, that's the game I played more than any other. Um, I also really uh, like uh, Middle Earth role-playing, Merp, and that's a game that we're going to talk about today. Um, that was a D100 system. That was a kind of alternate rule to D&D. Um, and then Rollmaster, which is an even more complicated version of uh, Merp which I like because there are a lot of really high numbers in it. And that was always fun. Um, and the critical system, uh, critical hit system is something that was really cool. We'll talk about that a little bit today too. Um, some other games that I've played that were pen and paper RPGs uh, are, um, let's see, Marvel had a game for a while, uh, maybe in the 80s, and that was pretty weird, uh, but I played that. Um, I played Fading Suns, Rifts. Those are both kind of sci-fi ones. Um, any others that we played? I mean, 3rd edition, 5th, 3.5, 5th edition. I confess that I'm not a huge fan of those more recent systems, but I played them. And uh, I've made characters for GURPS, but I never played GURPS. Seems like a pretty cool game. Uh, same thing with Shadowrun. Uh, setting's pretty awesome, but I've never really played it. And I think I played the uh, Star Wars RPG once that was like a D6 D6 version, which is pretty cool. There was a, I didn't hear about the Star Wars RPG one. Yeah, that one came out in... No, I don't know if it came out in the 90s, but we had a, a cool rule book in like maybe about 90... 
94, 95, 96, somewhere in there, um, that we played a good bit. Um, uh, and then in addition to that, I mean, lots of uh, video RPGs, and I think maybe the best RPGs for video games are Knights of the Old Republic and the uh, Shadow Run one, especially the Sega Genesis version. So those are some of my favorites. What you, how about you? That's cool. Um, so I'm pretty new to the tabletop RPG. Um, I've been playing only 3.5 uh, for about, what, two years now? Something like that. Um, and then I played a, another home run game uh, that was sort of based off of 3.5, 5e, but it had a bunch of weird rules that the DM was trying out. Um, and that was only a, a couple of experimental games that didn't last very long. Uh, but that was an interesting experience as far as exploring different versions of like systems and how things work. Um, and then I also, like I listen to other D&D podcasts out there where they play uh, games. So I'm pretty familiar with 5e since that's what a lot of those uh, other podcasts and stories uh, deal in. Cool. How about um, video games? I play, so Bethesda stuff, I've played Skyrim, I've played uh, the Fallout games, and I'm a, I'm a big fan. I've never actually played one all the way through, so I guess I'm not that huge of a fan. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I, like, I like those systems, I like that open worlds RPG uh, concept especially, the, the story-driven and decision-changing uh, RPGs like that. Um, I guess we should say that uh, the the title here, Dungeon Chatter, um, the idea behind this is to um, talk about the RPGs and to take the focus of role-playing games into the, the talking part, and hopefully that's fun, um, and to uh, have the uh, rolling part, the die rolling part be, or, or the card drawing or whatever, to, to have that be um, a supplement to the maybe the storytelling. I don't know if storytelling is exactly right, but but something like this cool story that we're telling. Um, and as I say storytelling, I'm reminded that um, I played Vampire and what, <laughs> where Oh, and that's true. You know, I played Vampire yeah. for like one or two games before too. Yeah, that's yeah. fair. And that is, um, that's another cool system that we'll explore in some detail. Not in the armor. I don't think we're going to talk about it too much today. Um, but that, and the reason I say that is because those were the uh, storyteller systems. So now we'll talk about um, systems that we play and have a lot of experience with. Um, and we'll talk about some of the things that we like and some of the things that we don't like. Um, and I think the place to start is probably with um, AD&D and second edition in particular, uh, where which again is the standard that, that I played. I mean, I, I played probably more of that game than all the others combined. Um, but the cool thing about armor class or armor in second edition is that there's this essentially one measure, and mm -hmm. it's armor class, and that's just how good your armor is, so how, how protected you are from taking damage. Uh, and the the way it, it tended was from a plus 10 to a negative 10, uh, and weirdly 10 was really bad, and negative 10 was really good. So That's confusing. It is, yeah. That's a problem uh, that I, I think that uh, RPG designers um, should work through. So... And that's because of this bizarre thing called Thaco, which is to hit armor class zero, uh, which is a kind of complicated way of doing uh, an action resolution. Um, and so we'll talk about systems more in the future. And I think uh, in a few episodes, we'll talk about failures. So we'll be talking about what the system looks like. But just know that it's sort of negative 10 means like, yeah, like a, a higher difficulty, like a 20-point higher difficulty than a 10. 
So is, is it negative? Like, it, does it go in reverse? Because it, is it like how much damage? Like, why why reverse? Why go from? I, so I, I'm not. Sure. You don't know. Well, okay. uh, no. So the idea is that you have um, a number. Yeah, this is weird. So you have a number that you have to roll to hit. So let's just say that you are starting out and you need to roll a twenty to hit. Um, if the person is armor class ten, you have to roll twenty minus ten. So you only have to roll a ten to hit. Okay. And ten is the worst armor class. Ten is standing there naked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm still really con like, why not call that minus ten? Because then it's yeah. twenty minus ten, and that's what you have to hit. I guess it's like, yeah. I don't know. That's so. Well, I didn't design that game. I know you then, did so not. I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> we can criticize their uh, whatever. <laughs> Yeah, and so and that is, I, I guess, a, a weird thing about that system. Uh, and so, I, although I'm presenting second edition as if it's this kind of standard view for how armor works, um, it's really clear that there's that weird wrinkle. Mm -hmm. So um, I had one character at a negative ten armor class, and that was, and that was where it stopped. So even if you kept adding and adding and adding, it wouldn't get any better. And mm -hmm. that's also maybe pretty weird, right? So yeah. to impose this artificial limit um, on how well protected you could be uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. Okay, uh, so all that in mind, um, AD&D essentially works like this. Um, armor class 10 is, again, standing there nude. Um, and then the standard armor classes would be um, leather armor was armor class 8. So it was two points better, two points better. So roughly uh, 10%. Really? Yeah, it's roughly a 10% harder chance of hitting you. Um, so And that's on the D20, so, so yeah. 2 out of 20. Um, and then uh, studded leather was a 7. I think ring mail was a 6. Chainmail was a five, so that was another standard. Uh, plate mail, I think, started at three. And I, there were other versions of plate mail, and I think the best you could have to start out is if you start out with like full plate mail and a shield, you can have armor class zero. That seems pretty rough, like really rough. Like leather armor <laughs> is pretty tough. So what? What on earth was a, a negative ten? Like would that have to be magical stuff attached to it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's see. Yeah. That is true. I'm trying to think of all the characters we had who ended up with uh, like a negative, well, some impressive negative number. Mm -hmm. I had a character who had a, um, bracers of armor class zero. So these magical things that he wore were equivalent to like full plate mail. And a shield, apparently. He didn't have a shield. Well, yes. with but, the, Yeah, it was yeah. equivalent to. Yeah, right. And then he had a high dexterity, which made him harder to hit, so more agile. And he had a ring of protection mm -hmm. that added or subtracted yeah, six from right. his armor class. <laughs> um, and he had uh, boots of speed, which added two or subtracted two. Um, and he had another unarmed, unarmored ability. So he ended up having actually negative 16, but it always had to be treated as negative 10. So it kind of wasted, which is weird. Right? Yeah, so. I, I mean, I get it. It, it would suck in the, the reverse if like you went up against some dude who had negative 16 armor. But I guess that's like that's a way to continue the game once you get to the highest level. Like mm -hmm. games are only designed sure. up to a certain level. Right. Yeah. And the way that the second edition system worked was I mean that the, the deadly thing about it was that a 20 always hits. So, um your negative 16 would still be hit 1 in 20 times. Mhm. Mm and one in 20 of those times, your head would be chopped off, apparently. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the one with, like, <laughs> if you roll two 20s in a row? Yeah. Why would you roll the second 20? Was it, like, if you get a critical, see what you do? Like, just see if you get an instant kill? Yeah, there were um, critical hits and critical failures. And I don't know where that rule initially came from, but it was one that we adopted um, as a house rule. And it was 
second 20 is decapitation. Um, and I just think there's no way our DM ever could have really used that because we were definitely attacked more than 400 times, right? I mean, yeah. in the course of playing characters for years and years and years, I mean, their heads would have been chopped off repeatedly. So, mm -hmm. um, and, I, and it never happened uh, that I can recall. Never happened to us. So maybe that's favoritism from the DM. <laughs> Hopefully. I mean, it would suck if you, you know, spend that many years playing a game and instant decapitation. Exactly. And that's one of the things that, that this, this podcast will talk through, um, different flavors for, for different games and different, and maybe not just different games, different parties, right? So mm -hmm. um, some parties might think it's really cool to just come together for one night and play a game and hey, if your head gets chopped off and your head gets chopped off. I mean, yeah, if you, if you go into it knowing that it's going to be a one night only kind of game, like that'd be fun. That's a fun, like it oh my god, is it going to be a decapitation? And then, oh, you died so quickly. So I can get that it might be fun. But but I was almost never of that that mind. I mean, yeah. uh, and, and, I, and there are, I guess, different styles of play, right? And one of the styles of play is this kind of, uh, we would always refer to it as wargaming, uh, which was like the long haul. Uh, and so if I'm making a character and I'm spending a lot of time tinkering their, with their skills so they're as badass as possible, and yeah. then someone cuts off my head on the first roll. Yeah. I'm going to be pretty bummed out. Um, some nobody, some rando comes up to sure. you, just some, like, bandit misidentifying you on the street, and one in 400, you're, you're dead. Yeah, and that's the thing about that double D20, right? So the, the rolling a 20 for a critical hit, your level 40 warrior uh, could just have his head chopped off by a... Mm -hmm. I don't know, a dog bite. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Right. Uh, okay, and look, there are circumstances under which that could happen, but almost never in uh, a real fight. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, so what I'm taking away from the, the 2E is is more or less the, this um, armor is a thing that just, all it does is makes it harder for you to be hit. And second edition had that idea of, we, we see the kind of lowering armor class somehow meaning harder to hit, harder to hit, harder to hit. Mm -hmm. So that's the idea. Um, only one um, characteristic attached to armor. Okay? Mm -hmm. uh, and the other system that I want to talk about is um, Middle-earth role-playing. But is there anything that you wanted to talk about first before I jump into Merp? Did you want to talk about any uh, video games or anything or any your experiences with armor? Um, no, I mean, uh, 3.5 is basically that same thing. I mean, it doesn't go in reverse, but um, just can you beat this number? Right. and? Uh, I don't think we ever used uh, much of the like circumstantial armor, which I think is kind of cool because I've seen in podcasts and uh, stuff they'll do like if you're incapacitated somehow and you can't use your decks and somebody is trying to attack you, it would lower your armor class because mm -hmm. you can't use your decks, you don't get a reaction. Um, so I think that that kind of stuff is pretty cool, mm -hmm. not just the what you're wearing. Right, and so those were called, um, I, I don't remember when they came in. They may have come in with second edition. I, I know there were some character sheets that had this built onto it, and that um, that would be called your flat-footed um, armor class. Um, oh. and, so, and so those are things that are um, built into, at least from second edition, I think. Um, right, but, but the way that flat-footedness is handled, uh, it's not ideal. I, I'm, well, maybe it is, right? So it's just you lose your decks. Uh, yeah. and so, but if you're wearing plate mail, then they still have to fight plate mail. Yeah. Right? So um, there were other scenarios in which people could ignore your decks. There were some attacks that would uh, ignore your, um, and when I say decks, I just mean dexterity, and I mean your ability to dodge, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, or like your passive ability to dodge. And so um, 
if someone gets a like a sneak attack on you when you're unable to defend yourself, I mean, I think you have to roll a saving. This is these are sometimes house rules. I remember mm-hmm. you just you have to roll a, a saving throw versus well, in D and D what was death magic, um, and if you failed, you died. So <laughs> that, but that's you know if you're sleeping and someone comes up and stabs you. Yeah. More, okay. More on people sleeping and being attacked later. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Okay, so one of the interesting wrinkles that uh, Merp added in, and and again, uh, I, I think it was, I think the game was actually first Rollmaster, or the rules were being developed for Rollmaster, and then uh, ICE Ice um, Iron Crown Enterprises apparently approached the Tolkien Estate and said, "Hey, we've got these um, things, these rules. Could we make uh, a role-playing game of Middle Earth?" And they were granted the license to do Middle Earth role-playing. And then there's an interesting story about whether the Tolkien estate um, kind of forced them into bankruptcy later on in order to capitalize on when the movies were coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, like like in 2000-ish? Yeah, oh, yeah, wow. Yeah. Uh, but uh, for what it's worth, Murph is, I, I think, an amazing game. It's really well designed. It was, it was I guess, my first contrast to uh, what was going on with TSR, Wizards of the Coast stuff. And, I mean, it's a much better. I, I just think the design is much better on it. And this is one of the ways in which the way armor is handled. Uh, so uh, Rollmaster introduced this thing called uh, defensive bonus, and that was essentially your ability to um, not be hit. But it also included this thing called armor type, um, and armor type, I think, ranged 1 to 20. And that 1 to 20 doesn't mean much, except, I mean, I think 1 was nude, basically, unarmored, and 20 was probably heavily armored. But it wasn't exactly linear. They were just different types of armor. And what these... What, um, these charts did or what what these what this stat did was determined what column you would roll on uh, and so if you're attacking someone who's unarmored uh, versus someone who's wearing plate mail you might actually be more likely to hit the person in plate mail because they can't move out of the way uh, but your ability to deal severe damage to them is incredibly limited so if that kind of makes sense armor type builds in your mobility and your susceptibility to damage which is pretty cool yeah so so was that like you're more likely to hit but you're less likely to do damage so it does two different things you were more likely to hit and all hits in that system did damage but mm-hmm. you're less likely to do uh, critical hits which was really the fun of the game well, the fun of that <laughs> combat system was always the critical hits gotcha. so you might and, and hit points were really high in that game so unlike D where you're starting off with I don't know what four to twelve roughly hit, point. hit points. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You might start off with like I don't know. Someone might have sixty hit points at first level. Um, that's a lot, but but someone might like some warriors might have you know fifty sixty hit points. Uh, and so <clears throat> if someone hits you for five damage, that's no big deal. But if someone hits you for a critical, um, they could <laughs> they could kill you yeah. in one swing. It's it's not likely. Uh, but if you're wearing no armor, you might be losing some limbs uh, and, and that was something that we, we always found really cool uh, yeah. about the game uh yeah so um again middle earth role playing uh built that in with armor types uh so Rollmaster i think had the one to 20 uh and they were kind of fine-grained like is this a chain base is this a plate base is this a leather base uh merp just had the columns i think for unarmored uh leather chain plate <clears throat> maybe even hide too I, i'm not sure it's been a while since I played that system. Uh, yeah, but that's to say it had these two characteristics. Uh, and so that's actually something that I would love to be able to work into an RPG, but without making it as complicated. So the cool thing about MERP was you know, rolling really high numbers. It was a percentile-based system, and if you rolled a 96 or higher, you kept rolling those percentile dice and adding. So if you rolled like a 
195, or it's 100 and then a 97, say now you're at 197 and you keep rolling and you keep adding. So even people with tremendous uh, armor, you could hit them if you rolled ridiculously well. Mm-hmm. So it's not exactly like the 1 in 400 is going to cut a head off, but 1 in 400 is going to hit someone wearing, you know, like the dog could bite someone's throat mm-hmm. in play now, right? So that's yeah. possible. Okay. Uh, yeah, so to that's the cool thing about it. And the cool thing is that attacks take into account um, what the kind of armor is that they're attacking. But the bad thing was that you... Never, no one could memorize those charts. I mean, I still remember a lot of the charts from AD&D 2nd Edition. But what is a roll of 127 against chainmail when you're using a short sword in Merv? I, I have no idea if I guessed. Yeah. <laughs> it might be like 15 damage and a C critical, right? But I have oh, no idea. Oh, wow. Right? So yeah. the percentile, like that was just to find something on a chart? Yes. Oh, wow. And then another chart to determine what kind, what, what that critical meant. So all really cool, mm-hmm. uh, but made for um, I, ice, Iron Crown Enterprises. They, they prided themselves on this kind of gritty combat, which they absolutely delivered, um, but also made it almost impossible to play if you didn't have the books on you. Yeah. And D&D, I mean, we were able to make a character on the spot without any books and, and play a game. Uh, there, yeah. there were just not too many stats to remember. Mm-hmm. So. Cool? Yeah. Okay. And so now that, you know, so uh, talking through uh, some of the things that we've seen in RPGs, um, I wanted to, I, I think it's fun to tell some stories. Uh, and so I have a story to tell. Do you have any stories that you want to tell I for can't, today? I couldn't think of any. Okay. No, I don't have any armor <clears throat> stories specifically. <laughs> I guess it is oddly specific, It's right? a pretty, yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing stood out to me so far. Tell an armor story. Oh, well, so here's um, one of my favorite armor stories um and it probably tells you too much about me as as, as a, a human player. being <laughs> as a human being too. um so uh we were playing a assist uh, playing a game in the 90s yeah like in the mid 90s mm-hmm. um and it was uh, middle earth role playing and i was playing a ranger who was really clearly patterned after aragorn and um, Scott, who is someone who will probably be mentioned repeatedly in this podcast, <laughs> uh, he's the guy, he's my uncle, and he actually introduced me to um, role-playing games with the 1987 version of uh, D&D, first edition. And so uh, he was an, uh, what was he, an uh, Orakai, so he was uh, a high orc. And he, <clears throat> he ended up getting his, he was a scout, which is like a rogue, and he ended up getting his hands on some uh, mithril armor as the dwarves say he got his hands on some mithril armor uh which made him uh really really difficult to wound right so he could take damage uh but one of the things about mithril armor is that it uh shrugs off criticals uh so you really can't do a critical and remember the way i pitched this system uh the big thing the cool thing about it is what are the criticals that are going to happen uh and so he really couldn't take criticals and that made him way stronger uh, than he would have been and although this probably happened more than it should have, I, I don't recommend that you're always fighting your party mates, but um, so Scott and I have always had a kind of rivalry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and he was typically on the winning side of that, but this is a case where I was really pleased with how things went. <laughs> um, so my ranger, uh, we were in, in the Barrow Downs, and the Barrow Downs is a, like a, a burial place uh, in Middle Earth. And we uh, were searching on some bodies, um, and that's I think that may even have been where he found his mithril. I can't remember. Uh, but I found this um, magic longsword, 
And in that game, it was a plus 35 longsword, which is the equivalent of like a plus 7 sword in D&D, which is pretty ridiculous. And it was a sword of orc and troll slaying, and so it had two cool skills. One of them was that it would glow when it was around uh, orcs and trolls, so it would always glow in... Uh, Scott's orc eye. Yeah, I can't remember what his name was, unfortunately, but whatever that guy's name was. Um, that it, Whenever the orc was around... Daryuch, I think, was his name. Daryuch. Daryuch. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds so Pennsylvania Dutch. <laughs> Y-D-C-H. It probably, Scott probably looked it up and found that it meant something in orc. Oh. So, right, so. Or, yeah. Morbeth. Morbeth. The black speech. Um, and so uh, Daryuch uh, was, he was able to sleep in his mithril mail. And maybe you can see where this story's going. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, being massively protected uh, from attacks, uh, I figured that if I was going to beat him in a fight, I had to get him while he was unprepared. So uh, I was a ranger, and I snuck into his room and attacked him while he was sleeping. And uh, he, he was a scout, so he detected me sneaking in because I was wearing um, chainmail. Mm-hmm. Not the most brilliant move for trying to sneak up on someone. Um, and we got into a pretty amazing fight. And so the cool thing about this sword, again, is that... Um, the uh, the so remember the mithril armor can shrug off weapon criticals like type criticals so if it's a piercing or an edged uh, or a blunt weapon uh, but it can't shrug off slaying criticals and my weapon dealt slaying criticals to orcs and trolls and I was able to um, I think I broke his arm and his rib and put him into a coma mm-hmm. uh, before the town guard showed up and. Uh, I guess the funny upshot of that is that we were both brought before uh, the magistrates, and despite the fact that I was in his room while he was in bed, um, they didn't believe his story because he was an orc, and I was an honorable human. Yeah, so, some some racism in that. Yeah, it's tough lessons in racism at a young age. Yep. Uh, so that's the kind of funny thing. If racism in uh, an RPG is funny, and I suppose it maybe could be. Uh, I think it's more funny to you just because you won that. (laughs) That is the funny thing. It's not funny that... I mean, it's funny that I was able to uh, beat him. Uh, Not that my character was able to do this, but like to to get one over on him. Yeah. yeah. I've Um, heard some stuff that Scott did to your characters. He... There was... It it was not... I'm not going to say deserved, but it was... He should have seen it coming. I'll say that. Exactly. I'm sure we'll tell more stories about Scott um, as we develop, and maybe um, maybe Austin will be on, and he'll tell some stories too about his encounters with Scott. Yeah. Um, and maybe who knows? Maybe we could get Lou on to tell some of his stories. Too. That would be awesome. I'm sure uh, Lou has some amazing yeah. stories. Yeah. So, um, and the, I guess the downside of this or was that, um, yeah, um, Scott became enraged, and he. Uh, yeah, he screamed at us for a while, and that may have been the time when my older brother uh, like quit playing RPGs, which is a bummer, because Aww. it was always fun to play with him. We would almost always make uh, brothers uh, and play brothers. That's so, really cool. Did uh, any of your other brothers, or was it just you and Bo? Um, yeah, I mean, all my brothers played, uh, but not in this campaign. This was like 1993, maybe? 92, 91, somewhere in there. Um, and so, I mean, my younger brothers would have been under 10 or 10 ish. 10 ish. 10 ish. So, no, they weren't playing in that group. Um, so, that's that's my favorite story about armor. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty you know, oddly specific characteristic to talk about. Yeah. But it's a good armor story. I'll, I'll hopefully have more stories or some stories, stories at all uh, with other, other topics. Absolutely. Um, okay. 
and um, I guess we're going to take a, a break quick, or I'm just going to have to move on to the next uh, recording slot. Um, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about um, the pitch, uh, so how I propose to handle um, armor in uh, our system. And then we'll finish with a section called Hack and Slash, in which we kind of try to troubleshoot and figure out some potential problems. And yeah, be a little be critical guard. of our pitches. Yeah, sure. All right. And we're back. We're back. <gasps> Dungeon chatter. All right. So, um, <clears throat> the pitch. The pitch. Am I telling the pitch? You pointed <laughs> at me like I was going to do this. Badaya. <laughs> uh, uh, so the pitch is essentially um, to to find a way to do uh, what armor does, which is to prevent you from being damaged, right? Mm -hmm. um, but to try to build in some of the uh, nuance that comes from having those armor types. And so I've come up with two skills or two characteristics of armor, um, a defensive modifier and an armor class. That's not very original, but that's good. Right? Yeah, it, I think, does pretty pretty good job of uh, summing up what they'll do. Yeah. Cool. And, and the idea is if you've played other RPGs and you hear um, a defensive modifier and armor class, you already have a good sense of what armor class is, which typically just measures how uh, good the armor is at shrugging off blows. Uh, and defensive modifier wouldn't be terribly difficult to figure out what that might mean. Mm -hmm. And if you've never played an RPG, and by the way, these are the you know the two groups that we're trying to target here uh, with the podcast are uh, people who have never played before, and so we can kind of talk them into playing RPGs. Mm -hmm. And this other group, maybe grizzled vets like me, who uh, stepped <laughs> away from RPGs <laughs> for a while. Uh, grizzled. <laughs> so we want to give people um, commonsensical things, so when they just hear these ideas, they make good sense. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, a defensive modifier is uh, uh, essentially the question of how likely you are to be to avoid being hit. So the higher your defensive modifier, mm -hmm. the better defended you are, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. And so the lower your defensive modifier, the more likely uh, you are to be hit. So I think that's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, and the way that defensive modifier works is by modifying the attack roll, modifying the difficulty on the attack roll. Um, we'll talk through more of the um, the system that we're using for Dungeon Chatter in the future. But um, So it's my system, but how do you feel about your ability to roughly describe what the system looks like? The system? Yeah, just a d20. And, you know. I, I do know a little bit. So I know that um, if somebody wants to attack you, it's they roll a d20, and then based on the weapon they're using and other equipment they've got, sure. you roll d6s in mm -hmm. addition. And those d6s... Um, if it's like a four to a six, it like adds, no, not. Wait, what's the four to six? Four to six <laughs> is something to attack. Like you, oh. it's like a base. I actually, no, I don't okay. feel comfortable. All right, it's well, been a while. A good start. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the idea is that, uh, I mean, the system is, a, is, uh, a D20, right? Mm -hmm. But, uh, whenever there are modifiers, um, if it's a positive modifier, that's for the, and this is always for the person who's rolling. If it's a positive modifier for them, then they add six-sided dice. Mm -hmm. And if it's a negative modifier for them, we'll call it a penalty, right? Um, then they're going to subtract six-sided dice. And so the target is 10. So on a d20, you succeed 10, 11, 12, 13, up to 20, right? So 55% of the time, you succeed. And 20 is a critical. Mm -hmm. Um... And uh, so D6 is, like, if you have a plus one modifier, it's a D20 plus a D6. If it's a plus two modifier, D20 plus two D6. D, uh, plus three modifier, D20 plus three D6. And all you have to do is get a 10. So the idea is that there's a, we, within a very narrow range, 
minus three to plus three, we can account for uh, tremendous levels of skill. So if you have a plus three uh, modifier, your chances of succeeding are incredibly high and your chances of doing criticals are incredibly high too. And this is a uniform system, so it's not just for combat, right? So, you, so it is true that that's how it works in combat. But if you're gonna climb a wall, and you got a plus one modifier, that's a d20 plus a d6. Mm -hmm. um, if you're gonna climb a wall while, um, I don't know, it's raining and it's sheer and you don't have a rope, then you're in trouble. Yeah. And maybe you're carrying your cat in your one arm too. That's going to be hard. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, you'll probably fail. And that's okay, I guess. But that's how this is. Depending works. on, yeah, what you need to get done. <laughs> that's okay. Um, okay, so uh, that's what defensive modifier does. So it affects how, or it measures how likely you are to avo avoid being hit. And it's, again, pitted against the attacker's offensive modifier. Um, and then the other characteristic is armor class. And armor class is the measure of how much of the, how much of damage that hits you uh, comes at you, uh, the armor can shrug off. Uh, and the piece that I've added in there is uh, the way that I've uh, figured out armor type, I guess, is by saying that each armor, so I mean, uh, let's see, uh, cloth armor, cloth-based armors, uh, give armor class of one. Uh, leather, two. Chain, three. Plate, four. Um, and the way that uh, armor type is affected is not just there, but it is there, right? But it's also uh, in terms of um, weaknesses or susceptibility. So uh, if you're unarmored, uh, you are additionally susceptible to elemental attacks. If it's uh, cloth or leather, you are additionally susceptible to um, crushing blows. If it's chainmail, it's piercing. And if it's uh, plate-based, then it's slashing. So you're additionally susceptible to... to Oh, piercing. Attacks. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. chainmail is a good armor, uh, but um, piercing is apparently a good way to break through. Mm -hmm. So Scott tells me. So uh, Scott so, tells so you. So it must be true. Right? He made his own, didn't he? <laughs> he has yes made yeah. his own armor, and we did some experiments. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sometime I'm going to tell an amazing story about when he was teaching me how to fence. Mm, it's a pretty good story. I like it. Um, okay. Um, so those are my thoughts. So defensive modifier, am I going to not be hit? Mm -hmm. Armor class, you've hit me. Can I shrug off the damage? And those special modifiers uh, for susceptibility to attack types. Mm -hmm. um, that's how I'm proposing that we handle armor in uh, the game. Hack and slash. Hack and slash. Now we wonder about potential problems with the system, and we try to anticipate some of these problems, and at least be honest. If there are limitations of a system, and there are probably going to be limitations to every system, what are some of the possible problems? Do you have any thoughts? I do. Yeah. Um, so this is one of those things where you do have to sort of remember, like memorize what certain things do. Sure. And those are always, like some people can do really well with them, mm -hmm. some people don't like them. Right. And, I mean, whatever. This is also another thing about RPGs, like what some people find a problem, other people like. Sure. But that's one thing that I can see some people like, oh gosh, what does the leather do again? Like, uh... And you would have to do that for, like, every attack, right? You'd have to see what they're attacking you with, what you got, and what matches up. Um, yeah. So I could see that being a little bit of a problem. Right. As far as... Yeah. Um, right, so leather is armor class, too. 
Armor class two. Yeah, yeah. So a leather-based armor is armor class two, mm -hmm. uh, and so the idea would be, and and with a susceptibility to um, crushing blows. Yeah. Right? So that was the one I was talking about. Was like like what the susceptibility is, because mm -hmm. that's a little. So like armor class two, you you write that down, and that's a pretty easy number to find, I think, depending on. Maybe put two C, two crushing. Uh, maybe you put um, like uh, zero for no armor. E. This is, so zero armor class and uh, weakness to susceptibility to the elements. Uh, bludgeoning or crushing uh, for that one. Uh, piercing mm -hmm. and then slashing. So, um, so that's something that I'm cognizant of. Um, I like a lot of numbers and a lot of um, heavy machinery uh, in the games when I play them. Like uh, like a lot of stuff going on. Okay. But not everybody likes that. Right? Yeah. Uh, and so uh, I've tried to always make it a maximum. So if it, if something's happening, I want there to be not more than these kind of two pieces to it, all right? Uh, and so we have, um, am I going to take damage? That's a question of two things. And then there's a tweak on that, right? So the, the one is the susceptibility, right? So DM, AC, and a susceptibility. Um, maybe in the future we'll talk about some maneuvers, uh, like combat maneuvers, like a parry, um, a block, uh, a feint, um, and all of those. I've already I've laid out these ideas, but each one of those will have one benefit and one drawback. Right, so to try to make them as easy to deal with as possible. Okay. Yeah, so something like that. So um, I get that, and that, that is something to deal with. Um, you want the game to be, I think, playable, mm -hmm. uh, but you don't want it to be, well, I don't want it to be, um, too vanilla, right? Like, so where it's just, you do the weak attack. Yeah. And even then, like the weak attack, middle attack, uh, strong attack, like in one of those um, old fighter games. Oh, yeah, where it's yeah. just different names for the players, <laughs> but they all do about the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in those cases, I mean, you it would still be different things that you have to deal with. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's legit. I guess it's better than armor class. Defensive bonus of 74. Wearing chainmail, which is armor type 12 or something like that, right? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Um, but that uh, that first question, right, is this attack going to hit? That's a, a thing that almost every combat system has to deal with in some way. Yeah, that's... attacks are unique and, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that that one's uh, people are familiar with and forgiving of if it's uh, a little hard to, to remember what's what and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Any other... Um, critiques? Critiques, possible problems to foresee? Um, not with the armor specifically. I mean, it, it does, I think we should, we'll have to play test it. Like, oh, we'll yeah. have to see how quickly you can get through one attack if mm -hmm. you have to. So, here's how it goes. You have a number, and it's just they have to beat that number if they want to actually hit you, right? You don't roll for your um, defensive modifier to begin with. Right. You don't roll, yeah, so um, the way, there's one roll for each. So the attacker rolls, uh -huh. and his roll is, or her roll, is modified by um, his or her offensive modifier, mm -hmm. and the defender's defensive modifier. And yes. You have to roll a 10 with those modifications. And then, uh, based on the weapon, mm -hmm. um, it threatens damage. So maybe this one uh, is a short sword, and it's supposed it threatens three damage. Then uh, the defender rolls. However many dice, armor class uh, two, leather, mm -hmm. rolls two dice to resist that damage. And so every roll of, uh, each die gives you a 50-50 chance of resisting. So four, five, six, mm -hmm. um, that would be one die resisted 
four, five, six, that would be another die resisted, and they're going to take at least one point of damage anyway. That's essentially how it would work. Yeah, so it's three dice rolls, basically. It's the first one to see if it attacks, then they roll damage. No? No, there's no damage roll, so it's just based off the weapon type. It, it threatens a certain amount based oh. on whether it's a regular hit, critical, or like super awesome critical. Okay, yeah. I thought you had gone with the, the one where you kind of roll to see if you get damage. No, I like that idea, yeah. and, I, and I, I think that um, in a future podcast when we talk about flavor, uh, some people really like big numbers and, you know, like threatening people with a lot of damage, like yeah. saying... Uh, I just dealt 70 damage sounds a lot cooler than I just did 3 damage. Right, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, but 70 damage in D&D &D, um, might not be a tremendous amount. It's a lot of damage. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, 3 damage in D&D, &D, that's not going to do much unless you're, you know. Yeah, first level. Kitty cat or something. Yeah, fighting some <laughs> some goblins. That's about it. Uh, but 3 damage in this game would be about enough to incapacitate a player. like so, Or at least a wound them severely. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something to think about, and we will be talking about um, damage coming up uh, pretty soon. Episode yeah. four. Yeah, yeah. Episode four. Cool. Wow, the alphabet. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, and so um, I, I think the plan here is to uh, put some of these ideas uh, into what will be show notes eventually, whenever that happens, um, and you will be able to come and check uh, the games that we talked about, um, just the kind of general pitch for the things that we're talking about um, as we work up these rules. And anything else? Not that I can think of, no. Okay. Um, and then, so we'll be back in the near future, and we'll be talking about B is for... Blood of Heroes. Wow. Uh, Blood of Heroes is the name of the campaign uh, of our fantasy uh, setting, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so Dungeon Chatter as the, the game and the system, and uh, Blood of Heroes as the system, uh, sorry, as the setting, the campaign setting. Mm -hmm. And so we'll talk through um, what it is that makes Blood of Heroes, Blood of Heroes, as opposed to some other or any other of those kind of generic fantasy ideas. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk through some of the inspirations. Um, some of the things that went into the creation of those ideas. And for what it's worth, it's still under development, but um, we're hoping to play test this in the very near future. Good? Good. All yeah. right. So, um, this is Travis. This is Victoria. And you've been listening to Dungeon Chatter. Hey there! Thanks for listening to our first ever episode. If you want more Dungeon Chatter, please check us out at DungeonChatter.com or follow us on Twitter at, at @DungeonChatter. Travis is on there constantly, so feel free to come shout some words at us and maybe we'll shout back. And if you liked our show, you'd be a really cool human being if you left a review on iTunes and told your friends who are also into RPG stuff. The next episode, B is for Blood of Heroes, our fantasy setting for the RPG we're creating, should be out this very second unless you're listening to this super early and literally skipped ahead to the ending for some reason, then maybe give us a couple minutes. So yeah, thanks for listening, and always ride a white horse.